Welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. So excited just to be able to unpack the Word of God tonight as we gather. I'm encouraged, so encouraged, so encouraged by what God is doing in our midst. You know, last week we talked about how we are trusting God for impossible people, people that we even think that are too far from God, people that, you know, are written off to some degree, or maybe even we have written off to some degree. And we are praying and asking God to draw those people closer to him so that we would be reminded that there is no one too hard for God. And so people came up to me and was like, I got some impossible people, Pastor. I got people I could not even imagine coming into a relationship with God. And I was so encouraged because I believe God is going to show up and increase our faith in him. I believe there will be people that we will be seeing that we would have never imagined bowing their knee to the Father, and yet they will come into this place, and you will be a part of it. That's the point. The point of our prayers isn't just God doing the miraculous. The point is you being a part of it, because that's what God is doing. He is drawing us into a relationship in order to declare his, his glory to this world. And we get to be a part of it. Little old us. Um, you know, I was thinking the other day, I was just like, man, can you imagine what it was like to walk around with Jesus every day? Like just, like that's your schedule. Like following Jesus is your is like what you fill up your day with. Like, so I just imagined, like, you know, as I've read through the Gospels and I look at these accounts of people, the disciples in particular, the 12 disciples and how their day was just, you know, it's a sermon on the mount over here. You know, there's a blind man being healed over here. There's a Samaritan woman over there being talked to and being blessed and chained. There's a guy coming down out of a roof and he's being blessed. And it just seemed like there was constant stories of Jesus doing the miraculous and the disciples being a part of it. And it's just amazing to watch how Jesus is always doing these amazing things. And then, you know, you think about the fact that as a Christian, the Bible tells us to follow Christ. You know, in the Bible, he says, follow me, you know, take up your cross and follow me. Now, obviously, we're not like walking around behind Jesus. So we know that that means I must start to read the word of God, pray, do the things that God is calling me to do and follow him in all my ways. But there's a sense in which when we look in the scriptures, and we see the things Jesus was doing, it looks like Jesus is always getting into the habit of healing, blessing, caring, even rebuking. And so it's clear to me that if we are going to follow Jesus, we are following Jesus right into a problem. There's a problem. And we're going to follow him, and he is going to solve the problem through us. And that is much of the Christian life. Big 
problems. And God using feeble, inconsistent, scared disciples, and he does the miracles through them. The disciples come back and say, we saw miracles, God. We were amazed by that. And Jesus tells them, I saw Satan fall from the sky. As if to say, there's so much more that you will see. Moses, Moses says, I'm so inarticulate. I can't even get my words together. And then all of a sudden, Moses is before the sea. And it's amazing in the account, Moses is taking the Israelites out of Egypt. And as he draws them out of Egypt and leads them out, there's literally this huge body of water in front of them. And they don't know what they're going to do. And because the, 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 the Israelites are behind them, they actually say, did you bring us out here to drown? Was that the plan? Was it to be free to drown? Was that what you were trying to do? And so he goes before them, and God planned it that way. He planned that there would be this huge body of water, and Moses would lead them to the body of water so that God would get the glory from the water parting. You look at a story like Gideon. Gideon was this really feeble, fearful guy, and he has this army that he's about to fight against, and and he has about 20,000 soldiers, and the Lord tells him, Draw it down to about 10,000 soldiers. Then he says, no, 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 draw it down to about 300 soldiers. And what he tells them is, I want this army to be so small that no one would ever think that it was you who got the victory. God calls his people to impossible problems so that when they come to an impossible problem, he gets the glory because they use his power. Impossible problems. And if you are going to follow Jesus, here's the good news. We're following Jesus, the Son of God. So, you know, you think about the disciples, if they follow Jesus, you know, imagine if somebody like fell and they cut themselves or they hurt themselves. Jesus Christ, I'm following Jesus Christ. You just healed, you're not going to just heal them and not heal me. You're not going to care for them and not not care for me. No, God is in the business of caring for his people. But far too often we believe and think that our prayers are the only prayers on God's to-do list. As if he's not concerned for the world. Here is a measurement of maturity. If from the beginning of January to now, if God answered all your prayers... I mean, just yes, blessings, yes, yes, keep coming, yes, 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 that too, yes. If God answered all your prayers, would the world have changed? You see, you may think that following Jesus means that Jesus' service is only unto you. When following Jesus means that he builds you up so that you can be a servant unto the world. He is, listen, if you see problems, it's because God has placed you in that problem. And he has placed you in a problem to use his power so that he gets the glory. It is his. (laughs) Sydney. crazy. (laughs) You always do it at the wrong time, too. It's always, 
It's always like I'm in, I haven't even gotten to the big point yet. Edit that. Can we edit all that out, please? Praise the Lord. <laughs> I, I, I want, uh, one of the things that I've been so praying for you, I've been praying for you, and I've been praying that you would be a person that lives by faith and that you would not get overwhelmed when you see the impossible. When you, when you walk into situations and you're seeing these insurmountable issues, I mean, are there problems? Are there people who are hurting? Are there systemic issues in our society? Are there fears that people are living with? And do we notice them? God has created you to be a solution to a problem. God has created you to be a solution to a problem and to use his power. You have dynamic significance. You have incredible potential. God has created you to be a solution to a great problem in this world. And so our prayers... Our prayers should be a little intimidating to us. Our prayers should be big. Don't live with such a small prayer that if God didn't show up, your life would be regular. Pray such big prayers that if God showed up, it's obvious he didn't show up. Because then God would get all the glory. Pray for the impossible. And there is something that you see that is incredibly impossible, that is hard. And, and, and in the text today, um, there's this huge story we see. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Mark. The book of Mark. Chapter 6. The scripture says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Look there at the top. It says that Jesus, they had come back and John the Baptist had just gotten beheaded. And they are blown away by that. And then till Jesus says to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a little while. I've been doing all this ministry. I've been praying for all these people, all my, all my co-workers. I've been praying for God. I took seriously what you said. I've been praying over those people. I, you know, I'm the peacemaker in my family. I'm the one that always deals with the problems. 
I'm the caretaker. I'm the one that always is trying to solve the issues going on in my house. I'm the administrative one. I'm the one that's detailed and makes sure things get done. I'm the leader. I'm the voice. I'm the caretaker. I'm, I'm all these things trying to, and Jesus says, I know that you've been busy and you've been caring for impossible problems, so rest for a little while. But this is what happens. While they're trying to go to a desolate place to rest, the scripture goes on and say, they, they get into a boat, they get to the place by themselves. This is my season. I got music on in the background. I got this latte, frappe, whatever with a little cinnamon in it. I'm chilling. Now many saw them and recognized them. Oh, snap. I was just, I was just about to chill. And they recognized them. And they ran there to them. And then Everyone from the town heard that Jesus was there. And now a great crowd is on the shore. And Jesus said, chill. My people are tired. Get out of here. They tired. Leave them alone. They got their frappe latte. They chilling. Go away. No, Jesus did something. It says, watch this. He said, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and then he began to teach them this desolate area from what we can tell was an encaved place where many of the zealots were these were rebels of the of the society and there are thousands upon thousands living in these caves and they would have to scurry for food all the time and so they're 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 trying many of them are trying to fight against the roman empire they're jews that are sick and tired of this oppressive force called rome but they don't even want to live in the land anymore so they live in caves and jesus ends up walking ashore and they're like is that jesus i heard he's healed people so they start to come out the caves and they start seeing Jesus. And now thousands upon thousands of people are coming out of caves, coming off the mountains in this desolate place. And Jesus says, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They are very, they have much zeal, but they have no real leader. They've got a lot of passion, no direction. And I'm going to take their passion and I'm going to give them compassion. I'm going to teach them. Jesus Christ cared for them. And he, in the midst of caring for them, also had the disciples who were weary and tired and broken. And this is, I mean, don't you think the disciples were like, come on, man. We did this yesterday. Wasn't the, the, the blind when he saw? Was that not enough, yo? So, like, now you got to teach. What about the earlier part where you said we were resting? I thought we were resting. Come on, Jesus. I thought this was going to be the time to rest. Why are you teaching people again? You know, it was like, you know, when I was a kid and I grew up in church and my parents would be like, it's time to go. And they'd be like two hours later. I'm like, come on, let's go. I feel like the disciples are like, yo, shut it down, Jesus. <laughs> shut it down. 
And in, in, Luke, in Luke, it said the night grew weary, meaning he was teaching for hours. Jesus wasn't like us, like 30 minutes, wrap it up, 50 minutes, yo, it's really long. It's hours of teaching. Jesus was all up in the text. Did Jesus contradict himself? Did he lie to him? Did he pull a fast one on him? I want you to notice something. The word compassion, it means to feel within the bowels, meaning it feels deeply within your gut. And I want you to notice that Jesus did not observe that they were sheep without a shepherd. He felt that they were sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion. He felt their problems. Jesus has compassion on your weariness and simultaneously has compassion on the brokenness of this world. And that means that Jesus is committed to them and committed to you and he knows their ignorance and he knows your weariness and he knows your limits. And he, if you are going to do great things for God, peep this, you will be pushed past your perceived limit. Well, you know, you, you know, you're like, this is the line. This is the line. How we get beyond the line. This is, this is the line, God. This is the line. I'm not giving anymore. I'm not, I'm not calling her again, doggone. I called her. I'm not calling her again. I said to myself, I will not get played. I will not get played. She didn't even show up. I will not get played. Yeah, no, no, no. I'll be there too. I'll be there two o'clock. Yeah, no, no. I'll be sitting there before you get there. Absolutely. When you love God, when you love God, you get a heart for what he has a heart for. You start to love what he loves. And watch this. You start to see people like he sees them. And the same Jesus that gave all of himself, his body for people, you start to give your time for people. You start to give your heart for people. And you start to draw past your perceived limit. So be very careful. Write your limit in pencil. Because he will be there to erase it. Because he has compassion for you and he has compassion for them. He has compassion for both. And yet he, he knows you need rest. He knows you need a desolate place. That you need that time away. That you're trying to just focus and, and not be about, all. Oh, you know, I need, to, I need to have Sabbath rest. I need time. I need some me time. God is very aware of your weariness, but he is simultaneously aware of the brokenness of this world, and he holds both of them. He cares for both of them. And so the, um, so the disciples are, are getting tired. Verse 35, it says, it grew late. It's time. And it says, his disciples came to him, and they said, this is a desolate place. And it's late. And what they're saying is, there's nowhere feasibly to get food. And the time is late, meaning you've been teaching so long, I know they're tired. 
And this is kind of like that southern etiquette. You know what I'm talking about where you have something to say, but it's just like, you know, Jesus, I think it's time to, and then they just say it. Send them away. Send them away to go into the surrounding countrysides and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Jesus, get them out of here. So over time, they just couldn't even pretend. Send them away. I'd like to make a request. Tell them to go home. This is what they're saying. Go home. And they didn't tell them. You tell them, Jesus. And then if you look in the next verse, the next verse says this. The next verse. Yes. <laughs> but he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they're like, what? Send them away, Jesus. It's desolate. It's time. Very reasonable. Very understanding. Send them away. And God says no. And see, this is what I want to encourage you in. If you are going to see God do impossible things through you, don't just think you can pray and say, God, send the problem away. God says, I want to solve the problem through you. Problems in this world, now it's time to deal with it. You have been created to deal with a problem. Your mama might have taught, told you you were a problem. You are not a problem. You are a solution to a problem in this world. And God wants to use you to use his power for a problem. If you follow Jesus, you are following him into a problem. And he wants to use you and he wants to use his power in that problem. Send them away. No, solve the problem. Solve the problem. Solve it. And so, <laughs> you give them something to eat. Now, do we have an image here? Do we have an image, like a, a graphic? Okay, now, this is a uh, sigh, you know, open gangman style. Okay, that's, 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 that's what this is. That's what this is. This is Google Images. It's not nothing. It's nothing deep happening right now. This is the Google image. It was the first image. I did not work this hard for this image. So this was page one. This is page one research right here, just for you. So I just Googled 20,000. They said he showed up to the Eiffel Tower in Paris and 20,000 people showed up. And this is what it would look like. And, it, and, and, and it's been said that it's probably somewhere between three and four, and some would even say 10 football fields, because the Bible tells us that it's 5,000 people, but in Luke, it tells us it's 5,000 5, men. So at that time, they would only count the men, and the man would be the representative of the family. So when you look at the way that the average family would be, it's probably somewhere like 20,000 people are there. So you understand, this is an impossible problem. Send them away. This is too many people to feed. It's too big of a problem. Can you go back to that verse? Verse 36. So he says, you give them something to eat. And astonished, I'm sure they were astonished by this. They said to him, all right, guys, shall we go and buy 200 denarii, that's a denarii, that's about six months worth of wages, of which these, 
folks are homeless, of which they do not have, so they don't even have the money for this. 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat. The first thing they did was strategize. Let me think of a plan. Okay, I want to do the right thing. Let me think of a plan. And Jesus says to them, how many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have? This is what I do. When I see an impossible problem, the first thing I think is what I can conjure up in my human strength. And I start to plan and I start to strategize. Well, you know, I'll, I'll flip it if I can do. We'll get bread and they break it up. And she's, she looks, she, she, she don't need that many carbs. I give him some. And to him, he needs carbs. He needs a lot of carbs. We give him two loaves and then three loaves. And then we just, what, two, six Yeah, six months worth of wages. Okay, yeah, that's what we'll do. And I start thinking, and this is where anxiety steps in. This is where fear steps in. See, see, this is where you get overwhelmed. When you want to do the impossible, you are doing the impossible through you. And the verse we looked at last week was, with man, this is impossible. So with the disciples, this is impossible. The, even that amount of bread wouldn't have been good enough. So that tell, even our plans are not good enough if we are going to deal with big issues in our society. And let me, just, let, me just, let me just pause and reflect and just say this real quick. When I say big issues, I'm really not just talking about mass incarceration. We need people to deal with that. I'm not just talking about you know, homelessness. We need people to deal with that. I'm saying that when you enter into dealing with the lives of people, Every person is complex. And when you enter into people's lives, you are entering into the journey of dealing and being patient with people who are coming to know God. And that is a journey in and of itself. And so you don't have enough. You just don't have enough. So what Jesus does is he says, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. Now, Luke Luke tells us that he ends up seeing this little boy, and he's got some fish, and they get some loaves. And so when they found out, they said, here we go, five and two fish. That's all I got. That's all I got. There's 20,000 people here. I got five loaves and two fish. That's it. And Jesus does not give them a strategy. Go to the next verse. The the Bible says he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven said a blessing and broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. Why didn't Jesus just do this part in the first place? Why didn't he just say, there's people, I'll feed them, and fish, 
loaves. Why did he say, give me what you have? Why was Jesus interested in knowing what they had? Why did he want them to look around and think of what you have? Why did he want them to investigate their own resources before he gave his resources? Why do you think he said, look into what you have? Because God is in the business of getting people to give everything. Everything you have. Your absolute best for his glory. He created you with your gifts your skills, and he knows your perceived limit. And so what he wants you to do is look into whatever your everything is. Look into that. And he blesses it. And God extends your everything. He takes what you think is everything, and he makes it go beyond your perceived limit. He extends your everything. And what I want to encourage you today, I know you are tired. Give everything. And let him extend the very everything you think you have. Oh, listen, listen, listen. Um, one of the things that uh, I've come to the conclusion about, I used to be really afraid to talk about money in church because I was like, man, I don't want to seem like I'm ha selling handkerchiefs and like anointing oil at night. And I don't want to be that dude. <laughs> If they think I'm wearing a striped suit, and I don't want to do I don't want to be that guy. And here's what I've learned in ministry. Money tells a story. It really does. Like, I start seeing people while out, and then, and then it's not really me, it's Josh. Josh is, the one. Josh is the one to look at the money. I don't look at the money. Josh looks at the money. But he tells me what's going on. And I, I do get interested. And it's interesting. There's a direct correlation to our top complainers and our lowest givers. There, there is. There is a direct correlation to our top complainers and our lowest givers. It's a trip. I'm like, oh, man, I'm so sorry, man. I'm so sorry. Josh, figure out what they're giving. Uh-huh, yeah, 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 yeah. They ain't giving nothing. I'm not giving anything to this meeting. No, kidding, kidding, kidding. <laughs> jokes. All jokes for the people of God. Just... No, I give everything, everything for the Lord. When you, when you, when God calls you into this place of looking into your resources and just giving all the time you can for his glory, all the talent you can for his glory, all the treasure you can for his glory, so that you can have the personal satisfaction of knowing that you are giving God your absolute best. Because he does not want entitled kids. He's not going to give you a million dollar loan and hope you triple it and quadruple it. He is trying to put you in a position where you look and say, I'm going to take the little I have and I will be certain this came from God. He doesn't just give it to you. He is not raising spoiled kids. He makes you look into what you have. And you give the very depths of your resources. So I, I know you're tired. 
I know if, you, if you're entering in and dealing with the problems of this world, I know you are tired. Don't give me your best. Give him your best. Give him everything. And I mean that and not just on your job, not just in your family. If you serve on the Connect team and you're back there, give him everything. I know, you're I know you don't want to talk to one more person. Talk to one more person, praise God. I know that you don't want to deal with one more child in Bridge Kids. Deal with one more child, praise God. Deal with one more child. I know you don't want to, if you're on the setup team, I know you don't want to move one more chair. Move one more chair. Do all those things to the glory of God and keep going beyond your perceived limit. Go, go. Now, because God cares for you, because he cares for you, he cares if you are going to burn out and be all just weary, and he don't want people all dried up and dead. He wants you filled up with joy. But he, but he, but he cares for you, and he simultaneously cares for the brokenness of this world. So look what he does, look what he does. This last part here, verse 39. It, it, you know, so he, he says that he looked up to heaven. He takes their little resources, he looks up to heaven, and he blesses it. I wonder what that blessing was. God, pour out. Just pour out all of you on this little two fishes and these little loaves. And then he breaks the loaves. And he begins to give them out. What did that look like, y'all? What did that look like? How many times did he break loaves? Like, what happened when he broke the first loaf? What happened? I don't know. But another loaf was there. And another loaf. And 20,000 people were fed that day. And the scripture goes on to say there was a basket full of food left over for the disciples. And now the disciples are sitting there. Though they are weary, they are filled as well. Knowing that God did something through their weariness. God did something through them. As they sit there and eat their basket. And they tell stories. Man, I got scared. You got scared? I was so scared. <laughs> I was so tired, dog. I was tired too. Remember when he said weary? I know. But wasn't it, wasn't it awesome watching that one little girl come in and she was so afraid of what they're going to eat? Wasn't it awesome when we handed her the bread? Yeah, man, that was awesome. Wasn't it amazing that one guy that, that he was that zealot, I mean, just that hardcore dude, and we handed him a fish, remember that? Yeah, that was amazing. Imagine the conversations the disciples had after. All those great stories they told. And Jesus just sat there and probably said to them, boys, this is just the beginning. There's many more stories like this. And they got up and they went to another problem. And he solved it through his power. Because that's what God is in the business of doing. I want to leave you with something, though. If you look here, he takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he uses it. I want you to realize that God does not bless what he will not break. God took bread. Oh, he blessed it, yes, but he broke it. And then he used it. 
That is what it means to be used greatly by God. You are blessed. You have a relationship with God. All the promises of God are yes and amen. You can be certain of knowing God hears your cries and cares for you. You are currently blessed because the blessing is God himself. Oh, but if God is going to use you, he is going to break you. God is blessing you, breaking you, and using you. This same prayer he prayed over that blessing is the same thing he did in communion. When he takes the communion bread, he blesses it and breaks it. God is breaking your pride. He is breaking your independence. He is breaking your selfishness. He is breaking your arrogance. He is breaking your fears. He is breaking through your depression. God has blessed you, but he is breaking you. He is pushing you beyond your perceived limit, and you are called to say yes again. I'll draw in again, God. I'll go again. I want to have stories. I want to have God stories. When I get to heaven, I want it to be like the locker room when I was in college where, you know, when we won the game, it was like, yo, did you see the way I hit him, dog? You crushed him, dog. The way you just smacked him down, you scored that touchdown, yeah. Remember how we danced? Remember how we danced when you scored the touchdown? Remember the crowd? Yeah. And I want to talk about, just like in the locker room, all the victories we had. When I get to heaven, I want to talk about victories I had in the name of Jesus. I want to talk about souls getting saved in the name of Jesus. I want to talk about lives changing in the name of Jesus. I want to see people change. I want to see problems change because God stepped in. God has made you to deal with a problem, and he wants you to use his power to deal with that problem. And I want to tell so many stories. And Bridge Church is part of my story. It's a trip when somebody tells me, do you know such and such? I'm like, do I? I know their story. I remember when they walked in. I remember the deep fears they had. I remember that, that earlier in that day, my wife and I were in tears figuring out how we were going to make it, how we were going to financially get it together. In the morning, we were afraid. At night, we were rejoicing. He is breaking you. He is pushing you beyond your perceived limit. And he is going to use you. God has saved you to use you. And he is going to use you mightily in this world. I, I pray that you do not get caught in the tyranny of comfort and believe that God is only committed to blessing your life. I pray you would get caught up in the problems of this world. I pray you pray great prayers over this world.
over your city, over this nation, over your borough, over your, your work, and you would see God do incredible things. Does anybody have any God stories? Do you have God stories? You have stories of God? You've seen God do something amazing in your life? You've seen God do the impossible? Trust him for more. Trust him for more. Trust him for more. I am addicted to God's stories. You know, we're going to go to the back and have a backstage pass. People are going to go back there, tell me their story. And I'm sitting there like, ooh, I wonder what's going to happen in their life. Because God, God, he's going to change some lives even here. Yeah, he wants to use you. God, I just pray against anyone in this room that feels insignificant. I just pray against anyone that feels that they are in any way living a life that does not have a clear sense of purpose by design. I pray that they would know you have been created to deal with a problem in this world, with the problems of people. You have been gifted by God to do great things, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works he's prepared beforehand so that we might walk in them. I pray you are encouraged. I pray the people of God are encouraged to walk away from this place and to draw near and say, God, use me. Use me today, God. Use me today. Push me beyond my fears. Push me beyond my limits. Push me, God. Push me. Right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I just pray against all of those fears. And I just pray that we, the people of God, press in more to him and the problems of this world. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at bridgechurchnyc or visit our website, bridgechurchnyc.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.